Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. I trust you all had a good weekend. And you'll recall on Friday, we left off with my favorite tale in the David saga of David killing Goliath, lopping off his head and dropping it into Saul's tent. What a great story. But you'll recall, the people wanted a king to go out and fight their battles. Saul may have been tall, but Saul got small and crept to the back of the field and hid. He was afraid of Goliath, afraid of the Philistines. So now, with young David killing Goliath and becoming, in effect, a national hero, Saul is very jealous of David. We put in today at 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Now, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan was Saul's son, and you'll recall that Saul, in a fit of pique, ordered that Jonathan be killed because he had eaten the honey when there was supposed to be a 24-hour fast before a battle of all the stupid things. Jonathan was a hero as well. And Jonathan watched David kill Goliath. He looked back and saw saw Saul hiding amidst the troops. And Jonathan was drawn to David. One of the great friendships in the Bible, David and Jonathan. I mentioned to you in a previous podcast that my oldest son is named Adam because after all, he was the first son and my mother's maiden name was Adams, so it seemed like an appropriate name. But my second son, what to name him? Well, we named him Jonathan, after this Jonathan in the story of King David. So I'll read it carefully with you, and you think of my youngest son, Jonathan. Now Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as he loved himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. In ancient days, the greatest gift one warrior could give another a gift showing enormous respect for that person, is giving your sword to him and your armor. And that's what Jonathan does. Now, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. Because now Saul's officers and the men in the army had a real leader to lead them. Now recall, David's only a teenager, but he is a prodigy at warfare. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs, with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Well, Saul was very angry. 
this refrain just galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom itself? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. Saul, still being stung from watching David kill Goliath and seeing his own son Jonathan become close, intimate friends with David. While Saul slipped over the edge once again into madness. He's prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Remember, David had been hired as a musician to play music for King Saul when he got into one of his blue funks. Now Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So Saul is seated with his back to a wall. And you'll notice as we continue in the story, Saul never sat with his back to an open room. Saul was afraid. He had his back to the wall and he was thinking, David, he, ha he, he will get the kingdom. And he took his spear, which he had right at hand, hurled it at David, and David ducked and the spear went right in the opposite wall. Well, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him and he was a prodigy at warfare, after all. Think of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, whose father, Philip II, invented the Macedonian phalanx, a formation of military men. At that time, armies would line up opposite each other in straight lines, and at the sound of the trumpet blast, they would come together, boom, and clash. But Philip II, invented the Macedonian phalanx. Rather than be in a straight line with the opposing forces, he angled his troops at a 45 degree angle. And that took great discipline to maintain the 45 degree angle. And when Philip's army approached the other army that was in a straight line, the other army would bend around to get to a 45 degree angle. And when they did, the middle would separate and Philip's cavalry would punch through the hole, get behind the other army and slaughter them. Alexander the Great, at 16 years old, commanded the Macedonian phalanx, a critical cavalry position that punched through the hole. At 16 years old and at 20 years old, Alexander the Great, upon the death of his father, became king himself, a brilliant prodigy as a, as a warrior. That's what we have here with David. In everything he did, he had great success. And when Saul saw how successful he was, 
he was even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. He was, let's say, 18 years old, a dashing, successful, handsome young warrior, brilliant. Saul said to David, Here's my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul had said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do it. Now you recall when David went out to meet his brothers before fighting Goliath, Saul had offered anyone who could defeat Goliath great wealth, the king's daughter in marriage, and no taxes for life. Well, David defeated Goliath. So now Saul offers his daughter. I think of the movie, The Godfather, when Don Corleone said, keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer. Marry into the family. Saul's older daughter could report on David, pillow talk to the king. I won't raise a hand against him. I will put him in positions in battle where he cannot survive. And all the while, I'll be getting intel from my daughter Merab. But David said to Saul, Oh, who, who am I? And, and what is my family or, or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? We think, well, that's modesty. No, that's being very smart because David knew if he married the king's daughter, she would report back to her father. No, no, I couldn't do that. False modesty, but smart. So when the time came for Merab, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adriel of Maholath. David rejected her. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. Oh, she looked at this handsome, dashing young warrior, and she was head over heels in love with him. And when Saul found out, he said, Aha, I'll give her, give her to him, so that she may be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law because I suspect that Saul knew that David rather liked Michal. Saul ordered his attendants, speak to David privately and say, look, the king is pleased with you and his attendants all like you. Become his son-in-law, marry into the royal family. They repeated these words to David, but David said, do you think it's a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? Again, that's not false mod that's not modesty. That's being smart. Oh, I'm only a poor man, very little known. Yeah, right. Now when Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride 
than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. So Saul, Saul knew David, and Saul upped the ante. He said, forget the, 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 the dowry. All I want is 100 Philistine foreskins. Well, that's pretty funny. Why 100 Philistine foreskins? When we travel to Egypt, at the temple in Karnak, a temple of Karnak in Luxor, there's a bas relief on one of the walls of women dropping the chopped off hands of killed warriors into baskets after a battle. How do you know how many men were killed? Well, you cut off the right hand of each corpse, drop it in a basket, and then you count the hands. That's the number of people killed. But the enemy then said, well, they, they were killing boys and, and women. So rather than chop off hands, we have another bot relief of penises being dropped into the basket. That way, huh, it won't be a child and it won't be a woman. So Saul said to David, I want no other price than 100 Philistine penises. Well, David just couldn't pass that up. You know he laughed at this. And when the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time had elapsed, David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. And he brought the penises back and presented the full number to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. <laughs> this is funny, folks. Saul gave him his daughter, Michal, in marriage. Now, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michal, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. It seems like Saul's daughter, Michal, truly loved David and was loyal to him and would not report to her father. So now, David is Saul's son-in-law. He's married into the royal family, but Saul doesn't have the intel that he wants. He's even more afraid of David now. Now, the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle, and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers. He did better than anybody else, and he became famous. His name, well-known all throughout the land, Philistines quaked at the very idea of David. So what will Saul do? He's in a real pickle here. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and he warned him. He said, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I'll go out and stand with my father in the field where we are. I'll speak to him about you and I'll tell you what I find out. Jonathan is David's closest friend. Jonathan is absolutely loyal to David. So Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and he said to him, Look, 
Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He's not wronged you. And and what he's done has benefited you greatly. Why, he took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. And the Lord won a great victory for all Israel. And you saw it and you were glad. When David dropped that big head of Goliath in your tent, you were a happy man. So why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason at all? Saul listened to Jonathan and he took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Well, Saul is lying through his teeth. Jonathan called David, told him about the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Everything seemed fine, but Saul cannot be trusted. Once more, war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force, they fled before him. But once again... An evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. So Saul is once again slipping over the edge. David was playing the harp. Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as he had done before. David knew David knew that if he stayed, eventually Saul would get lucky and have him killed. So that night, David made good his escape. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. He sent ninjas to David's house. But Michal, uh, Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, Tomorrow, you'll be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. So as the ninjas were coming in through the front window in the middle of the night, David went out the back window and scampered off. Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment, putting some goat's hair at the head. So when Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, Oh, he's, he's ill. And, and they looked in the room, and sure enough, there was what appeared to be a body lying in the bed, all covered up, hair. And, huh. Can't kill a sick man in his bed. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, Bring him to me in his bed, and I'll kill him myself. But when the men entered, there was the idol in bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to his daughter, Why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so he escaped? Michal told her father, Oh, oh, father, he, he said to me, Let me get away. Why, why should I kill you? So when David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and he told him everything that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Nioth and stayed there. Now word came to Saul, David is in Nioth at Ramah. So he sent men there to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men and they also prophesied. 
Saul was told about it. He sent more men. They too were prophesying. Saul sent men a third time. They also prophesied. You know, the definition of insanity is to continue doing the very same thing, expecting different results. Finally, Saul himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Siku. He asked, where are Samuel and David? Over in Nioth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Nioth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came upon him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Nioth. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. And this is why people say, oh, I guess Saul is among the prophets. Well, Saul's plan failed miserably. So what will happen? Well, folks, we'll have to wait until Wednesday to find out. So here we are, end of Monday. And for those of you living in the U.S., the election is tomorrow. If you've not already voted, be sure you do. I would not presume to tell you who to vote for. That's entirely up to you. But it's very important that we get out there and exercise our right to vote. So get to the polls if you haven't already, and I will see you on Wednesday. And perhaps we'll have an inkling of what the results are of the election. Okay, thank you for being here. Love all of you. Keep me in your prayers as I'll keep you in mine. Bye-bye now.